Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Everyone's doing good? Awesome, awesome. Uh, Well, we're continuing our series called Replacing Religion. And uh, in this series, we're talking about the fact that Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He actually came to replace it. And so we're, we're kind of working our way through that. We've got several more Sundays where we'll be talking about this. I encourage you to stay engaged, listen, get the sermon, uh, follow along on the notes on the app, all that good stuff. And, um, and I believe that God has something special for us um, as we kind of dive into this. I want to echo a couple of announcements real quick. Next week is Team Sunday. How many of you have a favorite team that you follow? It doesn't have to be football. It can be any sport. It can be professional. It can be college. Yeah, okay. So this is just a fun time for us to dress in our team colors or or wear our team jerseys or whatever, and we're going to have a sermon that has to do with that topic. So it's not just random, okay? I'm going to kind of teach on that. And so I encourage you, get involved. We will have uh, trophies to hand out in both services for the biggest fan, okay? So it's going to be good. Also, a couple other quick announcements. As, as we said already, uh, Course 101 starts tonight uh, at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. You'd think I'd know the time, but I have to ask still. Um, but it's here in the sanctuary, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a great time. If you haven't been through 101, I really encourage you to. Um, it, it's going to be a good time of, of just basic Bible teaching, good stuff. Um, and uh, you'll also have throughout the, the, uh, the class... You'll have your, your personality and spiritual gifts inventory done on you. It's great, good information for you to know. Uh, lastly, again, we're still uh, talking to everyone about the BFC survey. We would absolutely love for you to fill that out. The easiest way, I think, is just to go to our app. It's right there. You can't miss it, church survey. Um, even if you don't want to fill out all the questions, at least kind of the basic demographic questions are really, really helpful for us. Like, where do you live? That kind of stuff helps us when we know uh, the different types of ministries that we want to do. So, so that's all of the commercials. Whew. Let's get to the word. We've been talking again about replacing religion. Today's message is called Stop in the Name of Love. Now, I, I need to let you know, when I hear the phrase stop in the name of love, it's probably sounding a little bit different in my ear than it does to you because you probably think of the song by the Supremes. You know what I'm talking about? Stop in the name of love. Okay, I don't think about that. I actually think of my daughter Eva around 10 years ago when she tried to do a dance for us to this song. As a matter of fact, I have the video, so if you guys will go ahead and play it. It's just about a minute long. I think you'll like it going to do a dance, a big girl dance, and sing the song, Stop in the Name of Love. Okay, baby. Stop in the name of love. Over. 
right, listen to the lyrics. So good. Oh. All right, Eva. I could be wrong. I think she was saying, stop in a maim a home. Now, we here at VFC do not recommend that you maim homes, but I do need to let you know that is not the lyrics to the song. Um, so stop in the name of love. Well, first of all, let's back up. Let's go over some things. Uh, what is religion? When we're talking about religion, replacing religion, what is religion? Religion is man's attempt to reach God through systems, institutions, rules, or rituals. So we are trying to, if you remember last week, we're trying to scale God mountain. We're trying to reach him somehow by all these different things that we do, all right? These systems, these institutions, going to a particular building, uh, these rules that we follow. If I follow this rule, it's going to make God happy with me. This ritual, if I do this particular, particular ritual over and over and over again, then that will make God happy. But I think we know from Scripture that's not what God wants from us, is it? What he wants is a relationship, and Christianity is a relationship. Christianity is God's attempt to reach man through his son, Jesus. It's not our attempt to reach him. It's our response to what he has done for us. Now, religion isn't always bad. Religion can sometimes produce good results, but it can never produce righteousness. It can never make us right with God. See, the rules and regulations of religion are not how we relate to God. It's not how we relate to God. Sometimes our relationship with God will produce some specific things that we do. But here's the question. I think this is a really good question. If we don't relate to God through rules, then how do we know how to act? Because growing up, it was the rules that taught us what to do. It was the rules that taught us what what was right. It was the rules that taught us what was wrong. How do we know how to behave? Now, see, one of the benefits of religion for those in charge is that religion is really good at creating behavior modification. Whether it be through fear, whether it be through uh, peer pressure, um, you get a religious system that's really working well, and then all of a sudden, uh, people are, are, they're, they're, Falling in line. They're doing the right thing. They're right. But the problem is this. It's not relationship-based, and it's the relationship with God that, that brings us to him, not the mere activity. If we now relate to God through Jesus instead of religion, how do we act right? How do we know what to do? Now, the religion that Christianity was birthed from, Judaism, has a lot of rules. It had a ton of rules. As a matter of fact, these are referred to as the law in the New Testament. You're going to hear it over and over and over. The law, the law, the law. There are actually 613 laws in the Old Testament. 613, that includes the Ten Commandments. And all these laws were designed to control the behavior of the Israelites. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. 
I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Those were the rules. I, I wanna, I'm going to make two points this morning. Just two, this is like a two-point sermon. You guys think you can do that? I think you can. Two-point sermon. And, and here's the first point I want to make. Is that Christians are not under the law. Christians are not under the law. Now, this makes some people really, really nervous because they're afraid that if you tell Christians you're not under the law, then they'll think, oh, well, then what you just told them is that it's okay to act bad, right? But that's not what I said. I didn't say it's okay to do bad things. It's okay to do wrong things. I said that Christians aren't under the law. We aren't under the Old Testament law. Let me show you this in Scripture. Um, I'm just going to read these. Most of these are in the New Living Translation. Um, If you've got our app and you're looking at the sermon notes, they're all listed in here as well. Matthew 5, 17 through 18, Jesus is talking. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. In other words, there may be an opportunity for you to misunderstand this. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. In other words, when Jesus came, he, he didn't come to change what the law said or to change what the prophets said. No, he continues, I came to accomplish their purpose. And I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Now, once its purpose is achieved, guess what disappears? The law. He says, but it's not going to disappear until its purpose has been achieved. What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to let us know that we need a Savior. The purpose of the law was to let us know that by ourselves we need help. If left alone, we will most likely make the wrong decision. Has anyone ever made a wrong decision? Yeah. So I need help with that. You need help with that. We need help with that. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm not changing what the law says. I'm coming to fulfill its purpose in your life. See, sometimes uh, on the opposite side of the you've got to obey the, the law is this crew that says you don't have to do anything. You're perfect just the way you are. Yay, you. Well, all you need to do is watch the evening news and recognize there's something wrong with the world, right? We need some sort of help. We, we need something. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to make sin right. He came to make sinners righteous. So he didn't change what was right and what was wrong. But he came to deal with the sin sickness inside of humanity. This question of do Christians follow the law it was a question that the early church actually had to deal with. And one of, the, I think, the most important passages in all the New Testament, it often gets overlooked, is Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, let me just summarize it for you. You can go back and you can read it later. But Paul is in Antioch, the city of Antioch. And, and there, there are very few Jews in Antioch. These are Greek, pagan, Gentile people. And revival is breaking out. Signs, wonders, miracles. Holy Spirit is just pouring out his blessings. People are getting saved in droves, okay? It's, it's an amazing time. Well, some people show up that are Jewish Christians. So these are Jews that, that, had, uh, that had converted to Christianity. They show up and they say, okay, this is fun and everything, but you have to obey the rules. 
and they tried to mix the religion that Christianity was birthed out from with the, with, with the religion. They tried to, to say, you've got to still do both. And so that hacks Paul off. So he goes back to Jerusalem, and he meets with James, the brother of Jesus, with Peter, who was like, um, who was like over the church at the time, and, and all the other disciples. And, and they talk about it. They say, look, do non-Jewish believers and Christians, do they have to follow the law? Do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to convert to Judaism in order to be Christians? And the answer is very clearly no. As a matter of fact, Peter says something so funny to me. He goes, in, you know, asking the Gentiles to keep the Jewish law. He says this. He goes, why would we ask them to do what we and our ancestors weren't able to do ourselves? That's a great question, isn't it? Why would we say, hey, you need to, you need to follow this law? He's like, we can't follow the law. I mean, the Old Testament is, is, is basically a, a, a log of, of Israel didn't keep the law. And, and so he says, well, this doesn't make sense. And then James makes the final decision. He goes, we should not make it difficult for the non-Jews who believe in Jesus. We shouldn't make them jump through any extra hoops. And so the early church decided this question. Romans chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. The apostle Paul is writing. And he talks about there was still, all throughout Paul's missionary journeys, there was still this group of people that tried to tell the Christians, hey, you've got to follow the law. You still have to follow the law. And it drove him absolutely crazy. And this is what he says. He says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law, verse 4, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. How, isn't that clear? It's so clear. As a matter of fact, the New King James Version, it says it this way, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The end of the law. In other words, there's no more utility from it. There's, there's no more following of it. It's the end of the law if you believe in Jesus Christ. In Galatians, Paul is writing to the Galatians, and, and a similar thing had happened. So, again, it's, it's a non-Jewish territory. It's a, it's a Greek area. It's more towards Asia. And, and, and they're receiving the gospel of Jesus, and, and all, all kinds of great things are happening. But then people come in after Paul has left and start, start teaching, hey, hey you've got to follow the law. And a lot of the Galatians were believing that. They were beginning to do a lot of the rituals. They were beginning to observe specific days. They were beginning to do certain things. And, and, and Paul is trying to correct that. And, and you can read it. Um, basically, Galatians 3, 4, and 5 are all about that. But it says, it says this, Galatians 3... 23 through 25, it says, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. The law was duct tape. It was a temporary fix. 
It, it was only temporary until the way of faith, until knowledge of Jesus, relationship with Jesus could come. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. But now, so if there's a but now, it means that there was a then. Right? So if there's a now, that means there's a then, that means there's been a change. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true of everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the role of the law has changed? Do you see that Christians, those of us that believe in faith upon Jesus, it's, it's, it's the end of the law for us. It's the end of the law for us. Here's another one, 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. It says this, he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. Now, we talked about covenants earlier in the year. We talked about the fact that there was an old covenant and there's a new covenant, and they're different and they can't be mixed. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death. The New King James, I like the way it puts it. It says, it calls the the laws etched in stone the ministry of death. Seems kind of harsh. Now, what laws were etched in stone? The Ten Commandments. Now, I'm going to stretch some of you on this a little bit, okay? So just get ready to stretch, all right? Okay? All right? There's absolutely nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are great. You can put them up in your house. We've got them in our Supreme Court. We've got them in government buildings. They reveal God's moral law that has not changed. Okay? However, we have to be careful. Your goal as a Christian is not to follow the Ten Commandments. Does that hit anyone right here? Just, no, just follow me. If Christ is the end of the law for all those who have, who have faith, then that means that while the law is still an accurate representation of what God thinks is right and wrong, God doesn't, he, he didn't think stealing was wrong in the Old Testament, now stealing is okay. Like, he's not saying that at all, right? But he's saying, look, there's a different way I want you to act right. It's not through the law. The law hadn't changed. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't change what the law says, but he's, but he's fulfilled its purpose. So the question you should be asking yourself right now is a really good question. If we don't follow the law then, which I think I've clearly shown you in Scripture that we don't. If we don't follow the law, then how do we act right? Because we know, we we see Scripture all throughout the New Testament that that says things like, you know, act righteous, act holy as I am holy. Do do the right thing. Love people. Love one another. There's Scripture that that forbids uh, sexual immorality. There's scripture that forbids all sorts of things. So if we, if we aren't under the law, then how do we live? What do we do? Well, the answer to this is we walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, I'm going to define this in a moment, is the New Testament prescription for, for acting right. Instead of following the law, we walk in the Spirit. Now let me define that. To walk in the Spirit is to allow the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit to determine what you do. Walking in the Holy Spirit 
is allowing the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit to determine what you do. First of all, it's the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. So where has he got to be? Inside. (laughs) He's got to be inside. So this only works with people who have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Those people who who have come to Jesus, who who are saved, who are born again, and the Holy Spirit is inside of them. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, then according to Scripture, you have these inner promptings. He's talking to you. He's directing you. So walking in the Spirit is when you allow the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, you're going to have inner promptings from other sources, aren't you? You're going to have inner promptings for uh, thoughts uh, that are just maybe fleshly thoughts that are just your own ideas. You're going to have inner promptings. Maybe, maybe some, some thoughts could even be demonic in nature. And, they come, and, and they, they, they're prompted from, from the mind from inside as well. But when we walk in the Spirit, we're listening to the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. And then these promptings aren't just good information. Sweet. Thanks for talking to me, Lord. Hope you have a good day, buddy. No, no. These promptings, we actually abide by them, and they determine what we do. If you're a simple person like me, I like to break things down. I look at it this way. Hear, yield, and apply. This is walking in the Spirit. The first step is you got to hear the Spirit. you got to learn to hear. And that's why we talk a lot here at, at, at VFC about how to hear the Holy Spirit, how to determine what's from God and what's not from God. Hearing from the Holy Spirit is super important because you can't possibly obey what you don't hear. So we've got to hear first, and then we yield. We yield. Now, I could have used the word submit here. I could have used the word obey here. But I went with the word yield here. Why? Because yield is a relational term. You know, you've seen yield signs on the road before. And a yield sign is posted when there's a potential for oncoming traffic to try to occupy the same space that you're in. Now, if there's no oncoming traffic, you don't have to stop. That's a stop sign. But a yield sign says, look, you can go. You, you can continue. You, you can continue, go about your own merry way, unless there is another uh, car that's trying to get into the same section. I need you to wait on them and let them go first. That's what a yield sign is, right? And so in the same way, we yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many times you know, sometimes... Uh, he doesn't necessarily have a direction for you. Lord, where should I eat after church today? He's like, don't care. <laughs> Lord, chicken or fish? I mean, sometimes he's got, you can't eat at Chick-fil-A, they're closed. They're, they're too holy. They're too holy. So God has decided that one. But besides that one, right now, no, here's, I know people who pray about where to eat all the time. I've done that as well. I've actually done that. I felt a prompting to go to lunch at a certain place, met someone there, and we had a God moment together. And so even though I'm joking and kidding around about where you eat, that, that's on the table. I mean, that, that's, that can be a prompting. So you've got to hear, then you've got to yield to it. And then lastly, and this is so important, you've got to apply it to your life. It's not just enough to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I hear you and I agree, but I'm actually going to do what you say. This is walking in the Spirit. This is the New Testament prescription for acting right. 
It's a relational obedience. It's not a rule-based obedience. It's based on knowing and hearing a person. It's where you yield. It's where you're always listening. It's as if you had a friend in your car and you're trying to decide what to do next and you ask them and you wait for them to answer. This is, this is the relationship that God wants for the New Testament, for the New Covenant, for you. It's not just following the rules. So I, wanna, I, was, so I was thinking of all these verses I could go to to talk about this. And I thought, okay, what I really want to do is I want us to just look at a passage. It's going to be a rather long passage, okay? It's in, it's in the app. It's Galatians chapter 5, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation, okay? We're going to read the whole chapter. And in this chapter, okay, this is where the Apostle Paul just lays out walking in the Spirit. And you're going to hear him talk about walking in the Spirit three different times. He's going to be talking about it the whole time. So, uh, again, I'm in the NLT if you want to follow along. Otherwise, you can listen. The Apostle Paul says this, So Christ has truly set us free. Look, if you've come to Jesus and you don't feel free, it hasn't worked right yet. There's something wrong. Because freedom, freedom is the result of a relationship with Jesus. Now, make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. See, guys, there's something in us that wants to not have to deal with the messiness of a relationship and just wants to follow the rules. Have you ever been in a relationship? Husbands, do not raise your hand. Just a clear warning for you. Have you ever been in a relationship and you're having a discussion and you're just like, just tell me what to do. Here's the problem with that. That's not what the other person wants. They don't want an obedient slave. Some of you are like, really? Yes. This is a relationship. And so, so it's the same with God. All right? And he, he wants a relationship with you. He wants a, a conversation with you daily about where you go, what you do, and how you do it. Okay? And, and so, so, but you're going to have a tendency to want to exchange that for a rule. Why? Because oftentimes it's easier. Oftentimes it's just easier to say, look, just give me a checklist. Just give me a task list. I'll check it off, I'll, I'll, and then I'll be done, okay? And then it's time for Netflix. Isn't that what we want to do? But that's not a healthy relationship. What God wants for us. So, because listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, circumcision was the covenant sign of the old covenant. And it's what all the Israelites did. Okay, all the males were circumcised. And it was a sign of that covenant. And the law uh, was, came along with that covenant. It says, if you're trying to find favor of God by being circumcised, favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Wow. You ever heard the phrase, fallen from grace? Well, you know, sister so-and-so, she's fallen from grace. What do people usually mean when they say that? She sinned really, really bad. That's not what falling from grace is. Falling from grace is trying to follow the law instead of walking in the Spirit. It's, it's abandoning the relationship with Jesus for a list of rules. That's falling from grace. 
Verse 5, but we who live by the Spirit, here we go, walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, same, same thing, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Verse 7, you were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching, what false teaching? The false teaching that you've got to still keep the law as a Christian. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. It just takes a little bit, doesn't it? I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who's been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, and so Paul's responding to an accusation that he believes this. He goes, dear brothers and sisters, if I were preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. Verse 12, I wish these troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Okay, I'm not going to get into this, but this is really funny. He's saying, look, if you're really into cutting stuff down there, just go ahead and take care of all of it. All right, he's making a joke. He's like, if that is what makes you holy, then go ahead and be super holy. Paul's a funny dude. Really funny dude. All right, verse 13. This is important. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware, beware of destroying one another. Okay, Paul, take a break here. Paul's quoting Jesus here, who was quoting the Old Testament, actually Leviticus. At one point, someone comes to Jesus and says, hey, what's the most, what's the most important law? What's the greatest law of all of them? Amazingly, Jesus doesn't give one of the Ten Commandments. He actually blends one from Deuteronomy and one from Leviticus. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul is quoting Jesus, and he's saying, look, it's easier than that. It's, it's, not even, it's, not, it's not all 613 laws. It's not even 10. It's easier than that. If you want to keep your relationship correct with other people as it pertains to God, there's really just one. And it's love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to do all those things that the law talks about. And if you're walking in the Spirit, you've got the voice of the Holy Spirit talking to you and, and walking with you along the way. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. New King James says, walk in the Spirit, which is this phrase we're looking at. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Walk in the Spirit. Then you will not be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, there it is again, when you walk in the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. What's he saying? He's like, look, you've got, these, you've got a battle going on on the inside. And many of you have felt this before. You've got a battle. Part of you wants to do the wrong thing. Part of you wants to get back at someone when they do something wrong. Part of you wants to just totally flesh out and, and, and do things that harm you, right? Seek temporary pleasure. There's another part of you, if you've been reborn, if, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, there's another part of you that wants to do the right thing. 
and wants to do what's right. And these two are, are duking it out, man. They're fighting. They're fighting. And whichever one's stronger is the one that's going to win. So it's important what we feed ourselves with. But he's saying, look, when you walk in the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now check this out, verse 19. We've read, I'm about to read a sin list. It's a list of bad things. And what we've done is we've preached this sin list. The church at large has preached this sin list and said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's law. But I want you to read this in context of what Paul is saying. He's giving some examples. As a matter of fact, he's saying you don't need a law to tell you that these things are wrong. Check this out. It says, verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. You don't need to like write it down and put it on tablets and post it somewhere in your house. It's obvious when you're not obeying the Lord. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Interestingly, that word is pharmakia in the Greek, uh, which, uh, uh, which includes drug abuse and substances. It's a work of the flesh. Hostility, quarreling. Man, I thought I was doing pretty good until I got hostility and quarreling. Jealousy, oh man. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. In other words, this is not an exhaustive list. I mean, stealing wasn't in the list, right? But we know that's wrong. So he's saying, look, look, all these things. These are the fruits of someone who's not walking in the Spirit. They may have the law. They may know that it's wrong, and they're still doing it. They're still doing those things. Let me tell you, again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I've heard some people say that this means heaven and hell. I don't believe it's talking about heaven and hell. I believe if it it was talking about heaven and hell, then it would have said heaven and hell. But it says that if you're living this way, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? God's way of doing things. See, you want, you want God's way for your life. God's way for your life is always the best way for your life. But if you continue to not walk in the Spirit and to do what your flesh wants, you, you, you can't receive success in your life. You can't receive victory in your life. You, you, you can't have a good experience. And you guys already know this. You, you, you know that, that when, when you live for yourself, bad things happen. People get hurt. And you can't walk in God's ways and walk in your own ways at the same time. Verse 22. We're almost at the end here. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. That sounds good. Joy. Peace. Like those things. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. There's no law against these things. That's a funny phrase. There's no law against these things. In other words, when you're operating in the flesh, you need someone to let you know, hey, buddy, that's wrong. But when you're operating in the spirit, there's no law for those things because you can't ever do enough of those things. So think about it like this. So love, joy, peace. Have you ever met someone you're like, you know what? Those people have too much peace. We need to do something about that. We need to make a law. You can only have so much peace because your peace is bringing me down, buddy. Patience. Man, I've got to, will you please pray for me? My son is so patient and it's just terrible. No one says that, right? Why? Because these things are good. You don't create laws against these kinds of things. But 
verse 24, those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are here, it is again, living by the Spirit or walking in the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part of our lives. Everywhere you go, everything you say, everything you do, you are called to have a relationship with him. I want to give you a final example, and then we're going to be done. I want you to imagine that you've just enrolled in God's school. In God's school, you're you're going to uh, learn how to do the right thing. You're going to learn how to be godly. You get your list of classes. It's just one class, and Jesus is the instructor. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a tough class because Jesus, I mean, he was perfect, right? This is going to be tough. This is going to be so hard. First day of class, you're nervous. You're sitting at your desk, and everyone's like, okay, great. Jesus walks in, rocking the sandals and the robe. He says, okay. Many of you are wondering about the grading system here. Let me tell you how this is going to work. You all have an A+. You're like, wait a minute, but I haven't done anything good yet. I know, but I, did it. I already did it. I took all your tests for you, and, and, and I knocked them out of the park. So every single test that you are supposed to take for this entire course, it's already been taken. I took it for you, and everyone made an A+. Now, for the rest of the class, the key is to show up to class and to wear this little transmitter, and he, he, pick, he picks out this little microphone. It goes in your ear. He goes, this is the Holy Spirit. And wherever you go, whatever you do, I'm going to be talking to you on this earpiece. And I'm going to be giving you instructions. And I'm going to help you walk out what I already paid the price for and made the grade for. And here's the key. In order to keep your A+, show up for class. Show up for class. Keep the earpiece in. Listen, you might not always get it right. I understand. Sometimes it's hard to hear this thing. But keep the earpiece in and show up for class. I've already given you the grade. See, he's already given you full righteousness. He's already, as far as you're concerned, you you look perfect to him. You're already righteous. The key is to stay in class. The key is to continue to listen to him, to hear from him. To walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And my question for you this morning is this. Are you willing to learn how to walk in the spirit? This is the New Testament prescription for acting right. You don't want to go back to the law. The law brings death. What you want to do is you want to keep a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And let him teach you how to live. Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. We're just going to take a moment. We always like to respond to what the Lord's doing. Engage that internal part of you. And just ask the Holy Spirit, how am I doing? Am I walking in the Spirit? Am I listening to you? You may see a scene of yourself doing something that you know was not walking in the Spirit. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you feel the Holy Spirit saying, hey, look, you're doing great. Keep it up. 
Or maybe you see yourself and you've taken that Holy Spirit earpiece out. And you're just trying to still take the test Jesus already took for you. Just take a moment and listen. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you will, pray this after me. Where we're going to ask the Lord to help us walk in the Spirit. Just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for taking the test for me. But I still need to know how to live. So I choose to walk in the Spirit. I choose to listen to you. I choose to hear, to yield, and to apply what you say. Help me do things your way. I don't want to just follow a law. I want to obey out of relationship with you. Speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you come close us out? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.